You are listening to Moving On With Pain, the podcast. This podcast is presented by the Danish Society for Pain and Physiotherapy. This episode is created with and for the European Pain Federation, EFIC. If you'd like to watch the following content in video format, you can visit the EFIC Facebook page and head to videos. We hope you enjoy today's episode. And welcome back to the European Pain Congress here in Valencia. It's day four. We're just bright and up, bright and early here this morning with uh, Professor Shelley Boudreau from Denmark slash Canada. Yes. How does that come about? Why can you be from Denmark and Canada? Well, it takes a little practice. <laughs> But uh, well, I started. Um, I started my academic career in Canada. I'm from. Hamilton, Ontario, so home of McMaster University. Uh, and uh, when I ventured into a PhD, I met Barry Cecil from the University of Toronto, who has done some amazing research on oral facial pain. And he knew uh, Lars Arndt Nielsen. Uh, who is now who, the president of the everybody knows. IASP, so <laughs> yes, the International yes. Association for the Study of Pain. And, uh, and it was, I think it was just uh, good timing. I was an engineer interested in uh, pain science and pain research, and uh, I was pretty raw when I started, but uh, I've worked my way up. How, how does an engineer come about being interested in pain? Because you don't, you only know numbers, don't you? Yeah, numbers and uh, yeah, numbers and formulas. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I became interested in uh, uh, path- pathophysiology, um, sleep bruxism. So I worked with. Um, some other engineers and um, we developed a device that could measure sleep bruxism, which is teeth grinding in the night and wears down the teeth, but it's extremely painful. Uh, and we were working on a, a solution to, to, to quantify uh, what's happening in the nighttime to develop better uh, solutions for, for these patients. And, and let's just talk about quantity. So quantifying means doing something that You are doing it, and yeah. I can read it on a scale yeah. or yeah. crunch it down to basically yeah. numbers. I mean, yeah, we can always ask someone how they're feeling, um, and this is very important to to make that connection. But in order to get a really broad overview of how things are changing, we need some endpoints. And one way to get these endpoints is to find a, a way to measure something about an individual that can guide a clinician uh, to help and guide that person um, in a direction where they can go towards rehabilitation or recovery. And uh, it's it's not always easy to do, um, especially when it comes to pain. I mean, we know that pain is very abstract and we all have our own personal experiences regarding pain, but there are some things that we can quantify. And uh, with... So I have a clinical background and I completely understand why it's important that we communicate and that we are sort of aware of what we are communicating about. And that is definitely something that we need to train and work on. But also quantifying that. I know you've been working on a platform to yeah. help clinicians and patients communicate and, and researchers dig into the interactions. Yes. Yeah, actually, that's right. So we um, we have developed a digital body mapping uh, software or solution Um, which is able to communicate um, information about a patient's experience visually. 
In addition to that, we can quantify what the patient communicates on this digital platform. So, so well, I'm sure this is very correct because, of course, yeah. you would know that. Yeah. What is it? So, can you explain to me if I if I had it here, if I had a tablet uh, computer, yeah. and I had it in front of me, what would I see? Yeah. So you could you would probably see a, an avatar, so a digital a digital body, and you would have the option to um, choose from various um, ways of expressing your ongoing symptoms. So it could range from anything from um, as abstract as pain to numbness, aching, um, itching, um, throbbing, stinging. So let's say I'm, cho- I'm, I'm going for the, the all-in option. So I'm just pressing pain yep. and then I use, I use my pen or finger and then I draw it on the body. Is that yep. how it is? So you would indicate your level of pain. So we have three levels to keep it simple. Which um, are? Uh, I think it's mild, like zero, moderate, yeah, mild, high, moderate, severe, severe, and then there, there's some numbers attached to them as well to, okay. to add some some extra quantification. And then you would you would choose this, and then you would simply either with your hand or a stylus or a pen um, or your mouse, even depending on what device you're using, you would um, draw out in detail um, where you are feeling this uh, pain. So it could be uh, around the shoulder joint. It could be something that feels like it's going through the shoulder joint. It could be in really awkward places to, to say, like where the pain is. Yeah. So, um, so the avatar, can you zoom in and say, I, I'm really interested in the shoulder because yeah. that's where my problems is, yeah. and then get a shoulder image. Yeah, so one of the things that we did with our software is that we, we took a traditional body outline, um, which has been used for many years in pain research, and it has really helped us advance the field. But now we've added some extra detail, so some shading, so that in, so that we all know where you know the bony landmarks are, starting and finishing. You know, even if we're not muscular by nature, you still get an indication of where the muscles are on the avatar. So you can zoom in, and you still have an idea of where you are. And then you can adjust the pen size. You can go in with detail, and you shade in these regions. And what we see is when patients and, and when when we do this, even when I do it, and even my daughter's tried it, you know, when you zoom out, what you end up with is, is a pattern. And we look for these, and we can quantify that pattern, and then we can look to see, is anybody else having this pattern? Yes, because the, yeah. the body chart idea has is, is been around for so long, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, I think. But what, yeah. what you are doing with the, the, uh, the program that you've developed is that the pixels that yeah. are colored or, or yeah. touched, basically, they get quantified into an area, right? Yeah, that's one amount of, yeah. of pixels. Yeah. And if I understand it correctly, I can I can do it one day on a tablet and the next day on a phone and then on a computer. Yes. And your program will adjust for this, so I still yeah. get comparable yeah. so sizes have, changes. Yeah. So we everything is um, everything is normalized to one standard uh, metric. So if you if you were to draw on a screen bigger than you. Uh, it would it would always come back to give you the same uh, value, so you wouldn't sun- suddenly get a thousand pixels and then the, the next day next day get two pixels. No, it's definitely like I mean this is where the science and the rigor comes in and the thought about how it should be used in the future. So yeah. we, we it doesn't matter what device you use it on; it will give you a consistent comparison across days. And so so you came from a sort of traditional neuroscience, pain science approach, and then you've gone into basically develop something that is directly aimed at the end consumer, the, the yeah. patient or the person or the yeah. clinician. 
Yeah, we started the software. Um, we started the software, the digital body mapping software, as a as a simple app. It was a it was a project that was connected to uh, some larger projects where we were looking at um, um, rehabilitation interventions for idiopathic neck pain. Uh, and in this process of the interview with the patient, we we the I had a really hard time uh, getting any useful information out of these small uh, body maps, but I could see that there was something there. And it, again, this comes down to timing. You know, I, a friend of a friend needed an internship and suddenly we were working on an app and then that app transformed into a software solution. And, and now we have a great team and getting something that we can hand out to researchers to go more in depth. And I know, speaking of research, I know if people wanted to look up your name, they could find the research that you've been doing on knee pain, shoulder pain, back pain, that type of thing. And I know the the, the application has been used in several studies by now. Yeah. But what would be sort of the next step? Because this, we could say this is sort of the assessment. This is where we communicate what's wrong. Yeah. Could, do you think digital health has anything to provide in terms of management as well? Yeah, so what we're working on, of course, is is one slice of the pie, right? So there's lots of different ways that um, you can utilize digital health technologies. I think in our case, um, our solution uh, works really well with other objective measures. Um, but when we think about digital health in general, we should look at it as an enabler, uh, something that allows us to stay in contact um, with, you know, it's not just with our with our clinician, but also our family and our friends allows us to, to stay connected and to take some responsibility. Um, we have the possibility now to look back at our own records and see how we're progressing. Um, so do, you, yeah. do you think beyond communication that, that digital appliances could be actually something we could use for management as well? Could it, could it be the management mm-hmm. itself at some point, do you reckon? Yes, I, I definitely think it's po- it's possible. Um, I, I do think that you will never replace the you know the face to face or yeah. the, the, the oh, human sorry, contact. Sorry, let me re- let me yeah. paraphrase. Could it be an intervention in itself that would go hand in hand ah, with the yes. other interventions that yeah, we're doing? Yeah, uh, this is a this is something uh, which I think is called digital therapeutics, um, and digital therapeutics is the idea that you could take an an application that is designed for particular type of uh, diagnosis or condition or it could be as simple as you know um, it could be anything ranging from smoking sensation right to to depression to to eating disorders to pain management and you can have this application in your pocket and it can guide you and encourage you and and reward you in a way that is meaningful and help change your own behavior I think many of us want to change. Like we, we know that there's things that we would like to improve about ourselves and we're human and things, we get tired sometimes and but we keep trying hard. And I think these applications, um, have, they're like a friend in your pocket. Uh, I think if we view them that way, um, they could really be uh, far-reaching and have a lot of influence. So I have an interest in exercise and, yeah. and especially helping people for whom exercise is a barrier in itself. Um, do you think that, so I remember not too long ago, there was a, uh, a, a game uh, that kids and some adults would have well, on the their Pokemon phones. And I think phone? that's what it's called, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they would go around and they, all of a sudden you had these it's people. It's still who quite would, popular, right? Is it? I believe, I, I've, I think the, uh, 
I think the monsters that you can catch are like really advanced now and you have to find uh, team members. So it's not just about you, right? Yeah. It's about bringing other people in as and well. Interacting and interacting through artificial intelligence. Yeah. And so we have the opposite effect, right? Where, you know, you, you always think that when you're on your phone, you're alone and you're disconnected. But there is the possibility, if properly designed, that you actually can create another social realm um, of interaction. Yeah. So this this is this what you call gamification, or is what is that? Yeah. So when is, you this is something you mentioned in in, in the in talk your yesterday. Right? Yes. Yeah. So gamification is um it's 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 basically applying known game mechanics into non game so context. I, I, so medical. Yeah, yeah. So this is a completely new science for me. Uh, so I don't know what what do you call so, it game so mechanics is that what game you call mechanics it? so it's something as simple as it could be something as simple as uh, uh, points or rewards uh, it could be uh, a dashboard where you see your progress uh, develop oh, yeah. over time i have that on my watch so yeah. like the circles and it's quite addicting a little bit isn't it it is it is yeah but in, a, in a great way i, I think it's supportive i would call yeah. supportive and but I think you're right that's where that's where we as scientists and clinicians need to come in because we want to make sure that we keep things on the right side of the line so you want something to be engaging but you don't want it so overpowering that it becomes a, an addictive tool no. you don't want people overly focused on something that they're trying to cope with um, but you want to give them some guidance along their journey. I mean, if if we were to talk about all scenarios, of course, that 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 would be possible. And and there's good and bad ways to apply this. This, and I'm I'm pretty sure it will be good for some people and not good for others. Yeah. But it is. It almost sounds like so. I I sort of maybe have the idea that neuroscience is just, is is a, a really good way to deal with at least understand pain. But maybe what you're saying is I should reconsider that other sciences that are usually thought of as outside of neuroscience yeah. actually could be very helpful in the management of yeah. pain. Is that what you're I, saying? I think we have a lot to talk about. I think we have, I think we have so much knowledge that is being, um, you know, I would, I would say almost contained within our, our organizations and we really need to start breaking down these, these uh, barriers or these start opening some more doors and start connecting uh, with other um, scientific fields because in, the only way to move, you know, it, you know digital therapeutics forward within pain um, is to start making these stronger collaborations with individuals that understand all the theories behind game mechanics. This is uh, exactly what Professor Laura Mimosa said yesterday as well in terms of educating. Yeah. Uh, even so, not, not educating uh, anyone in particular, but giving knowledge to someone is a skill set and a science in itself, isn't yes. it? Definitely. So it seems like that we started out looking at organs or systems and then that brought it out and we have this idea of neurosciences, looking at the nervous system relation to consciousness. And it's just, it's really a patient or person-based science or maybe even societal science by now, isn't it? So it's everything that goes into you and the context you live in. Yeah, and I think we can recognize now that maybe this is a very positive sign. Maybe it means that we've reached a threshold where we have enough knowledge that we we are at that you know that pivotal pivotal moment where in order to move forward we need to come together so we've all sort of expanded these uh, scientific areas so you have gamification um, you have digital health you have advanced data analy- analytics like you know machine learning and um, the ai approaches um, and then these these areas have just expanded. We have a shrink in the, all the size of the technology. Our phones are in our pocket. We can have little glasses on. 
we have, you know, mini batteries, you have a watch. And so it's all coming together. I think it's very, very, I think the next five, 10 years is going to be so impressive. But the only way that we can be sure that it gets applied to patients is by getting us involved, getting the scientists involved and making sure that that technology is tailored and is directed in a way that is beneficial for the patient. None of these technologies that have been developed have been developed solely for healthcare issues. Mm -hmm. So we need to pick and choose and pull them and influence them. Do you think patients could be instrumental to this process? I think that's, I think patients have the power. I think, uh, I think as scientists and as researchers, you need to know that the patients are behind you. You need to know that, um, that when you come to work every day, that, that they're still there rooting for you. And I think that they have a much larger voice because at the end of the day, if they do not demand it, it will never be created. And those that are opening the doors to let these new technologies through, um, they're being sidetracked by other technologies like something fancy for your kitchen or uh, maybe a nice pair of shoes. Um, but we need to get these guys uh, and these doors to open up and get them to start looking at health tech for, uh, for patients. That's and the, really, the, the, pa- really the patients needs to... Needs yeah. to demand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree. Is there anything yeah. you want to say before we stop? Um, yeah, no. I just, I just think it's, it's fantastic that uh, I have the opportunity to speak to everyone, and uh, and I really uh, hope to um, continue building the digital mapping software. And uh, yeah, if anybody's interested, they can just reach out to me. Uh, they can go to the EFIC website, and yeah. they can uh, find me online. And now you're live and you'll be online on Facebook. It will be on Epic as well. <laughs> and uh, so within these four days, we've had, we're knocking on 20,000 uh, clicks or looks. So, yeah. Yeah. so the, what you're saying is really getting out there. It's great. It's really great. Thank you, but, Martin. Well, thank you for the interview. Great. It's been a pleasure.